awesome. He's awesome. He's awesome. <clears throat> it is good to be around worshipers. Amen. Around folks that want to worship the king who is on his throne and who know that it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about his grace. For those of you that are joining us online, thank you so much. We're sorry. And I just want to apologize to you. We're having some technical issues. I didn't tell y'all last week in here or there, but we literally got struck by lightning in this building. And so we had all kind of components and stuff that got burnt out. And our guys, I mean, you got to give a hand to our media guys. I mean, they have been working, working, working. And, you know, they're doing the best they can. And so I thank you guys so much in the back. I, you know, you guys, you guys rock. Um, I can't say thank you enough, but for those of you online, I'm sorry you missed it in here. It was great. Glory to God. I hope you were worshiping and you were praising the Lord. And, and you know, I was talking to someone the other day, and I forget who it was, but anyway, there's a, a misnomer that we have, and it's that when we worship, we are preparing the atmosphere for the preaching. That is false. When we worship, we are worshiping the King of glory and we are mag we're not preparing for anything. That's what we're doing. That's what it's about. It's about him. Now in that, right, he softens our heart. He heals. He does stuff. Amen. But this is not like the precursor to the pre No, no, no. No, no, no. This is about being before the king. And so don't ever, ever forget that. If you're the type of person that comes to church late because they're just singing, then you got to change that attitude. <laughs> You should be rushing to be early so that way you can be there from the opening of the word of God as we begin with the Psalms and then we go into the hymns and then we move into spiritual songs and our faith is built. That's what Ephesians and Colossians says. Anyway, that's not the message today, but I guess you had to hear that. Amen. Glory to God. So if you would, I know you're seated, but if you would stand with me, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation we are in chapter 6. Has anybody been encouraged by this, by this series so far? A little bit? Praise the Lord. Oh, man, it's been, it's been so much fun studying. I can't, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I have never studied the Bible so much, hallelujah, and, and read so much because there is so much in the Scriptures, especially in the book of Revelation. Like, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, you can wing stuff, right? Like, you, you, John, if I was preaching John 3.16, I could wing that because, I mean, I've studied that. That's, that's pretty easy stuff. But when you're looking at seals and seals and you're looking at the sealed, it's like, wow, this is crazy. That's what we're talking about today, the seals and the sealed, glory to God. If you don't have an outline also, when you sit down after, you, after we pray, you can go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. But let's go ahead and read God's word. The book of Revelation, chapter 6, when you got it, say so. And it says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for Daenerys and three quarts of barley for Daenerys, and do not harm the oil and the wine. 
When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse in the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, unto you judge, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. I looked, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded in a scroll as a scroll when it rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand after these things, I saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it had been granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders 
and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. God, we stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of your word in this moment that is holy, that is sacred. We know that you are here in our midst. And so, Lord, we ask, give us ears to hear. Lord, use these words to confront us, Use these words to challenge us. Use these words to comfort us and encourage our faith, God. Give me wisdom as I share truth and in the hearts of my brothers and sisters in this room and those online and that may watch later, God, may their hearts be surrendered to you in a posture of readiness to receive from you and obey your truth, God. Let us not be hearers only. But let us be doers. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Again, if you don't have an outline, raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. Now, listen, when I talk about the outlines, I want everybody in the room to have an outline. Just take it home with you. You can throw it away at home. Just don't leave it here. Amen? Hallelujah. I, I want you to take that. I want you to be able to take some notes. I want you to be able to follow along in the introduction of the sermon. I want you to be able to hopefully take this, you know, throughout your week at some point and look at, okay, you know, this is what we talked about on Sunday. How does this apply to my life? That's the encouragement. So if you don't have an outline, please grab one. The ushers will be happy to give you one. So today, as you know, we celebrate our nation's independence from Great Britain our liberty from its tyrannical government. And some of you uh, will celebrate different activities and stuff like that. You know, the it, uh, celebrations always start early. You know, last night my dog was petrified. It's like the pre-4th of July, you know, shootout. It's what it sounds like, right? <laughs> but there is this celebration that occurs, and we should. I think that we should celebrate, right? Amen, somebody? I think, I think, I think we should, right? be grateful for the nation in which we live because there are other people that are hiding in caves that are underground that they cannot worship freely like we can. This is truth, right? And so I do think that there is, what, what, whatever you know, other people may say, I do think that there is some exceptionalism in the United States of America. By far are we perfect. If you look at your outline, that being said, we know that our beginning wasn't marked by perfection or freedom and equality for all. We know this, don't we? We do realize that despite the fact that there is some really good stuff that we see today, we didn't start off perfectly, as no one does. No one starts off perfectly, right? When I first became a Christian, I thought I was perfect. Hallelujah. 
Uh, I remember I went to see my mentor, and when I, when I went to see him, I was, I was married with, um, I think, Alexis, like four years old. And when I went to see him, he was talking about something. He said, well, you know how Jason was? And I'm like, how Jason was? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Jason was in the Word. Jason was praying. Jason was seeking God. What do you mean how Jason was? It's because Jason still had a chip on his shoulder and a bunch of other chips that need to be dealt with. Hallelujah. God was still working, and so none of us starts off perfect, just like the United States of America did not start off perfect. Why is this? Then look, this is the result of sinful man attempting to establish government without complete surrender to the Creator God. Are you here? The reason why we didn't start off perfect is because, and we would have never been perfect, but the reason we didn't start off better was because we didn't have a surrendered yieldedness. Everybody in the room was saying, man, God, you are the creator, you have laws, and we want to abide by them. But you know what? Praise the living God that the church, and can I say the church, come on now. The church was surrendered to the living God. And so all of the progress that we have seen, you know who we can thank? The one who's on the throne and the church who obeyed him. Are you here? The church who was calling for repentance and righteousness, equality, justice for all. That church, that's the one that we are part of. And yet we have to continue to surrender to the Lord. Because when we look at Revelation 6 and 7, Revelation 6 forecasts the beginning of the end. It initiates the start of Daniel's 70th week. Now, we didn't go through the book of Daniel, but I encourage you to go back to the book of Daniel. Look in the book of Daniel. You'll see Daniel was talking about all the things we're talking about today. He had visions and and, and empires and kingdoms. He had visions of the end time that aligned perfectly and beautifully with what God shows John later on. And so we see this, this 70th week that Daniel speaks of, and we start to see in these seals, the unleashing of God's judgment against a world that has not fully surrendered to the Creator. The reason why this happens is because we are in a world that will not ever fully surrender to the Creator. You and I, in this place, we call ourselves believers, right? So that means that our call is to live what? Fully surrendered lives to God, that we live for his glory, and that way we don't experience the wrath of the Lamb. Now, I think it's important, I want to say this, because uh, next week, Dr. Pete it will be here. I, I just throw that out there. He's going to come. He's going to share. He's going to continue on in Revelation, and he's going to, I believe he's going to blow it out the water, going to do a great job. Every time he comes, we're blessed. And the one thing in talking with him is that when you look at the book of Revelation, we have to realize something, right? The book of Revelation is not just linear, but it is cyclical, right? There is, there's cycles that we see. There's some overlap in the things that we see happening in the book of Revelation. But not just that, it's important that we realize that a lot of biblical prophecy, not just the book of Revelation, has present and future fulfillments or partial and full fulfillments. Let me give you one example. Jesus came to the earth as Messiah, did he not? And yet he will return, right? You remember that his disciples were confused because they're like, wait a second, why are you dying? You're supposed to reestablish the kingdom for Israel, right? You remember those words. Why is that? Because there was a partial fulfillment. His first coming was to be as the lamb who was slain. His second coming is going to be as the lion who's going to lay the smack down. 
We're going to get there to Revelation 19. Not today, but, but, but he's coming as that. We see him clearly here as the Lamb of God, the one who is worthy to open the seals. We looked at that last week. He is the worthy one because he died. So there is partial fulfillment. His kingdom. Did he not extend his kingdom when he came to earth? Of course he did. You saw sickness being healed. You saw demons being driven out. You saw people who were broken and couldn't, you know, find response in the people of the religion of their day, and yet they found response like the woman with the issue of blood, the woman who was bent over, the man with the withered hand, people like that who were suffering, and yet because the kingdom of God has come in church, let me tell you something, he is still extending his kingdom. He is looking for a people through whom to extend that kingdom, but we got to believe because the kingdom doesn't just happen. You, you, you have to believe for the kingdom of God to move. You've got to believe for God to manifest himself. And so we see partial fulfillments. And here's something you have to realize is that when you look at history, right? And I told you this before. I won't dig into this too deep. We'll get into our points. But when you look at the different interpretations of scripture, what we find is that there are some who hold a purely historical view of the book of Revelation. And what they believe is that 8070, I think it is, that's it. Everything was done at that point once the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. I don't believe that that's true, right? Because Israel was reestablished sometime later and we see Israel and things going on. There are prophetic words in the Old Testament that have yet to be accomplished. So I can't hold to a historical view purely. Here's the other thing with the historical view. When you hold a historical view and certain things don't happen the way you do, you know what you have to keep doing with your historical view? You have to keep moving it. You have to keep moving the timeline. Oh, this must have been that. That must. And so what I'm saying is, you know why that happens? It's because there are partial fulfillments. The things we're going to talk about today, like war, like famine, aren't those things happening now? Haven't those things been happening for a long time? Of course they are. So there is partial fulfillment in a lot of the things that we see in the book of Revelation, but we have to be willing and, 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 and able to look at that with eyes and say, but wait a second, there is going to be a day that there is going to be a culmination of this on a larger scale where there will be no question, oh, that this is what John was talking about. I want you to think about this this morning because if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get this. It is imperative to our faith that we realize nothing happens in the earth without heaven's authorization. For our faith, that is the most important thing that we have to realize. Nothing happens in the earth without heaven's authorization. Now, it does not mean, hear me now, there's a difference. you got to get this. There's a difference between God allowing something and God willing something. There is a difference. You have to understand the difference. Some people are like, yeah, there's really no, oh, there is a difference. There are things that God allows to happen. He didn't cause them to happen. There are some things that we, right, you and I, we bring upon ourselves, and what does God do? He allows it. He didn't cause it now. You can't blame God for your sin and your, your stuff, right? You can't blame the Lord for that. But you know what is beautiful to know is that it could have been worse. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Oh, it could have been worse. Because heaven intervenes on our behalf and says, okay, that's it. You can't, you can't go, you can tell, yeah, he, he deserved it, she deserved that, but you know what, we're, we're, you're not going to do everything you want to do. And, and they're not even going to get everything they deserve, come on now. 
That's the beauty of our king is that he enters in and he, and he holds back things from us. And then there's other things, and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to hear this, but there are some things, and, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to go down the list, but there are some things that are, we would say, bad that God ordains. I think God ordained Stephen's death. Bishop, that's mean. Well, we know that God ordained Jesus' death. We know that, right? You're going to see here in a moment when we look at the text, when we look at uh, the the fifth seal, you're going to see that there are some people who are appointed to die for the gospel. I was going to save that for later, but whatever, it's here. Now, now, I don't want to be that one that is appointed to die for the gospel, but the fact is I don't make that choice. God does. But you know what I know? For those that are appointed to die for the gospel, guess what Stephen had that, man, other people will never be able to talk about? Stephen's like, yo, I saw Jesus stand up before I got here. There is a reward for those that is greater than anything in this world when we are giving our life to the Lord and our lives are given when that is God's will. And so I just want you to hold on to that because as you go through life, as you go through difficulty, as you go through situations and circumstances, you have to know that God is on his throne and nothing happens without heaven's authorization. That's what we see here in these seals. The first thing I want to ask you to do is repeat this after me. Say, God's retribution against rebellion is guaranteed. The first thing that we see in this picture here is retribution, judgment. That's the the first seals that we see happening here. The opening of the seals, specifically the first four, is the releasing of God's judgment and the start of the tribulation. It will begin with a seeming peace, and then it will turn to unrest. It will start off a certain way. And then it's going to all of a sudden flip around the middle of that 70th week. See, when, when the Antichrist comes in on the scene, right, he's going to be like, hey, man, I'm here to bring peace. I want to bring peace to the world. <laughs> I want to bring peace to the world, I, I, especially, hear me now, especially to Israel. I especially want to want to bring peace to what's happening in the Middle East there. I especially want to do that. I want to be sure that he's going to come in and it's going to seem like everything is all good, and then all of a sudden he's going to flip the script. And after everyone's in, you know, covenant with him, and everybody's cool with him, and everybody's worshiping him, you know, because we worship people, right? You know, we worship, but we think certain people are good, and we're like, yo, that person. That's how the world's going to be, man. This guy came on the scene, and he was just bringing peace. I was worried about President Trump. But he didn't make a second term, so I guess not him. (laughs) Plus, he's not from Europe, and so according to prophecies, he's got to be from Europe anyway. So anyway, that's another thing. You know they've been saying that every president, at least from George W. Bush, has been the Antichrist, right? Hope you know that. Every president. (laughs) Since Ronald Reagan. Listen, I don't know. Since I know, they've all been the Antichrist, right? But I was worried because when he, when he signed the, you know, the Abraham deal, I was like, whoa, whoa, is this the guy? Hmm. The fact is there are certain things that have to happen. Now, in order for us to be faithful in our interpretation of the scriptures, we have to interpret scripture with scripture, right? So this is the revelation that Jesus gives to John the apostle directly, but Jesus spoke 
on Mount Olivet. Remember that? He had a discourse up there where his disciples asked him, what would be the sign of your coming? Now, what we have to do in order to be faithful is we got to look at both of these. So hold your place in Revelation, right, that we just read, and then we'll see, we'll, we'll just go back to Matthew 24. Because we went through Matthew 24 a couple months back, but we didn't do this side by side with the book of Revelation. So you're going to have to hold your Bible like this, right? So hold it in one place so that way you got Matthew 24 in one spot, and then you got Revelation 6 in the other spot. I want, you to, I want us to look at this together. So the first seal that we see, let's read it in Revelation. It says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. So what is this symbolic of? Turn back to Matthew 24. We're going to read verses 4 through 5. Look at what Jesus says. And we'll just go to verse 3. Let's look at verse 3. He says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? This is Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the Deliverer. I am the peace bringer. Are you here? That's what the Messiah does. I am the one who's going to establish universal peace in the world. And so we see here the first horse is representative of what? The Antichrist. The first horse is representative of the Antichrist, the conqueror who offers peace when we see Israel having peace and trusting another ally from Europe. You better open your eyes. When someone rises up from that region over there and is able to execute peace and has some serious authority, oh, you better wake up. Why do you say wake up, Bishop? I thought we weren't going to be here. Oh, I'm sorry. For those of you that may have not heard before I started preaching this series, I do not believe that the church is raptured before this all starts happening. Well, we'll see in the scripture that it seems like we're here. Matter of fact, some of us are dying. We're here for some of this. We're promised tribulation. We're promised hardship. The church, listen, now, and see, this is the problem, right? This is the problem with being American. And I just said America's a good place. Here's the problem with being American. is that you measure Christianity through what you see here. You, 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 look, you look around, you're like, man, things are good, things are peaceful. Ah, people are telling us to shut up, but that, do, that doesn't really matter. And, you know, and, and, and we kind of feel some stuff, like you feel people that are, that are being, you know, a little bit, you know, oppressive in, in, in the sense of, like, they don't, they, they, they're okay with all other religions, but you start talking about Jesus, the only way, the truth, and the life, all of a sudden you got this, right? So you feel that kind of stuff. But here's what you have to understand, is that that's here. That's not in China. That's not in Turkey. That's not in these other places where Christianity is not legal, where it's not the, 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 or at one time, the dominant religion of the society. It's different. And so we, we're like, well, we're good. We don't really need peace. All these other places need peace. I mean, I don't know if you watch this, and this is just an aside, but I, I don't know if you actually got to see video of the bombs that were coming in to Israel and that, what is it, the Iron Dome or whatever? I mean, that was, for me, I was like, wow. So just imagine this. If the Iron Dome is not there, 
They're being bombed every day. And people who have been to Israel, I've never been to Israel, but people who have been there, we see the bombings that make the news. Over there, that's like an everyday thing. It's kind of like living in the city, right? Come on now. <laughs> you, you live in the city and you got sirens and, you know, you got all kind of stuff that are all the time. You go to the country, you're like, wow, it's quiet. America's like the country. <laughs> Oh, it's quiet. But over there, it's normal. So, so this, this conqueror comes in, and he's bringing peace. He's bringing peace deals, and people are listening. Second one that we see here, the second seal that we see is, is in verse um, 3. It says, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that the people should kill one another and there was given to him a great sword. So what is the second one? The second one is conflict or war on the earth. That's what this second writer um, represents. He's led by the Antichrist and what happens is anyone who doesn't want to align with the peace deal, this is why, listen, please hear me when I say this right now. What I'm going to say right at this next moment is not a political thing. Globalism leads to this. Because when we become interdependent upon each other for our economies, guess what happens? All of a sudden, someone is going to dictate the rules. That conqueror is going to dictate the rules. He is going to come in, and everybody's going to be like, hey, he's got the answer to get out of debt. Oh, hello, come on now. He's got the answer for us to deal with, you know, um, gas issues. He's got, he's got all the answers. And when you don't want to align with him, guess what? War is coming to you. When you, when you recognize, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not bowing to that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with all that right there. The moment you start to recognize that, all of a sudden there's pushback. And guess what? It's not just pushback from them. It's pushback from a whole bunch of other people that have aligned with them. What does Jesus say? Look, look back with me to 20, um, chapter 24, verse 4 through 5, or not, not 4 through 5, um, verses 20, verse 6. Verse 6 here, it says here, verse 6, he says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, now the reason why you got to look at this together is because you have to see. Jesus is telling his disciples, you're going to see this stuff. Now, they're not going to see this because they're long gone. But the disciples, us, that are reading this, we, if we live long enough, we're going to see this. Somebody who's a follower of Jesus is going to see this stuff start to take place. And then we're going to hear about these wars, these rumors of wars. It's funny, and it's sad, not funny, but seeing the way that how easy it is to get people to turn on each other through social media, it seems pretty easy to think about war happening like this. The third horse. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. 
and do not harm the oil and the wine. And so this third horse is a horse that deals with famine. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That ties in with the war aspect. And next, next, ver next part of the verse, and there will be famines. So what is, he, what, what is he talking about here? So when he's talking about this whole denarii and this quart of wheat, wheat is more desirable than barley. And so you'll notice a quart of wheat and for a denarii, that's like a whole day's wages for a quart of wheat. One, one writer said this, the inflation at this time will be 1,000 to 1,500%. Now just to kind of put that in perspective, right? I, I don't have the exact numbers for this. But what I understand is like a year ago, OSB, right, which is a, a part, like, looks like a particle board that you use to build houses and stuff like that. I think uh, like a year ago or a little bit before that, it was like $8.99 a sheet. You know how much a sheet of that is today? <laughs> it can be that much. $40, $46. Now, that's like 100, I think my wife, we were reading an article, that's like 192% or something. Don't, don't check my math. <laughs> I am a preacher, not a math teacher, all right? The article said something like 192. That's ridiculous, is it not? From something that was $8 a year ago to now, this thing is $45, $46, and some places, it depends on which, which one you get. That's crazy. That's nothing compared to what's going to happen. We haven't seen inflation yet. The fourth, <laughs> you're like, yes, we have. No, we have not. We're seeing it for sure, but we're not seeing it like this. The fourth horse, look at the fourth horse, the fourth seal. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed him, and the power was given to them for over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the field. The fourth horse is called death. Whenever there's conquest, whenever there's war, whenever there's famine, death always follows. Jesus says, look at verse 7, the rest of verse 7, pestilences or diseases, right? And earthquakes in various places all these are the beginning of sorrows. Not the end. You're like, man, this is depressing. It is kind of depressing for sure when you read this. This is what's going to happen. Sometimes we need to be depressed, even in church. Hallelujah. Sometimes we need to just be sad right in the house of the Lord. Like, man, I'm terrible. Things are not like they, you know, everything is not just all peachy keen here. Hello. But I want you to understand something peculiar about this particular beast as he is, or this particular um, rider. He says some things about this rider that I think are important for us that we, that we really look at, right? So it says, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed him. And, and power, listen to this, was given to them over a fourth of the earth, not the whole earth, to kill with sword, with hunger, 
with death and by the beast of the earth. So that word beast there is not necessarily beast. It, most writers think that that's really talking about the beast that will be introduced to later. And so what happens here, this is why death and Hades are together. Death deals with our body physically. Hades, hell, deals with our soul. And here's what happens when you decide you are not going to bow to the Antichrist. You are given a choice, life or death. You either bow to me, you either get a mark, and then you can go ahead and you can participate in the economy, or you get death. And guess what? If you decide to be marked, you know where you're going? Hell. So it's a, it's, it's a choice of soul. It's a choice of me and you if we're here when this all comes to be. That once the, 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 all of these things are happening, then there's a fourth. You know, it's funny because one of the writers really pointed out something as I was studying. He was like, you know, when you look at the amount of Christians around the world, right, it could be around a fourth of the people on the, on the planet. And that's who they are going to come to test because everybody else is going to be like, yo, we down with you. We're good with you. Everything is fine the way that things are. We're done. And, and, and Matt, well, actually, actually let, let, let's look at one more portion. Let's finish reading that portion there. Because he says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows, verse 9. He says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. See, this is what Revelation is talking about. Up until this point in the tribulation period, it seems worship has gone untouched. Peace is being pursued through wars, and God is releasing his judgment in the earth. Yet we see these judgments, know this, are limited in scope. Again, not everyone and not everything is directly affected. We're all impacted because that's going to happen, but we're not all affected the same way. We're not all experiencing the same thing. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God's retribution invokes a response from the spiritual and physical realms. God's wrath, his judgments that are coming, his retribution invoke a response from both spiritual realms and physical realms. The, fi the fifth and sixth seal probably happen around the, min uh, around the midpoint of the tribulation period when the Antichrist calls everyone to worship him. A result of the first seal, the persecution intensifies. Know this, because of these judgments that are being released like this, what is happening, persecution against followers of Jesus intensifies. It increases, and that's why we see some of the things that are happening. The result is this, the martyrs are saying, God, avenge us. The rebels are saying, hide us. The ones who have died in faith, they are saying, Lord, avenge us. Look at what they say in this fifth seal. It's the cry of the martyrs here, and this fifth seal is the slain souls that are under the altar. Look what he says. He says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. 
And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? They were saying, Avenge us. God, how long until you avenge us in the Old Testament? These are martyrs, or here in the New Testament here, these are martyrs who died for the cause of Christ because they honored the word of God. They would not bow to the, the, the systems in this world. And whether we like it or not, that's political, right? And I'm not talking about what we see now because it is going to be something that is much greater, much stronger, much more clear-cut and so we have this picture of them under the altar. In the Old Testament, what happened with the blood of the sacrifices? They were, the blood was laid at the base of the altar. And so when we're looking at the, the saints that are the martyrs who are under the altar, what we're seeing is that they, in their death, were offered as a sacrifice to God. How does, how does, how does God respond to them? He responds to them and he says, then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Some people are appointed to die for the gospel. The question is not are you appointed, are you willing to die for the gospel? I don't know if you will. I don't know if I will. But what I know is that there, are, there is a number. Jesus tells these under the altar, hey, rest. Receive your, receive your reward here. Receive your white robe. Receive your, receive your rest. Receive your rest. There's still a number that has to be fulfilled. There's still a number that has to be fulfilled. The sixth seal says, I looked when I opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late fig figs when it is shaken by the mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll. I mean, are, are you picturing this? Like, this is, when I read this, I'm like, oh, I can't even imagine what this is like. The sky receded as a scroll when it, when it is rolled up, and every, listen to this, every mountain and island was moved out of its place. It's cataclysmic. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, instead of crying out to God in repentance, they called to inanimate objects to do something for them. Fall on us and hide us from who? The face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? The wrath, of, listen, these are not believers. These are rebels, and they are there, and they're saying there is no question of who is on the throne. But you know what's amazing? They don't bow to Jesus. They don't humble themselves before the Lord. Again, they cry out to rocks. They cry out. They would rather die physically than submit their life to Christ. Don't let that be you. 
Don't let that be you. Don't, let, don't, don't, don't be that person that is so bound in rebellion and sin and, and compromise that you're like, oh, I, I would rather have the rocks crush me than me bow to the Lord. The sixth seal is the cosmic chaos and worldwide crisis. These, there are signs in the earth and heaven. Here's another example. You guys remember we looked at um, Joel, I, I, I don't remember when it was, but we looked at the book, at the, at the book of Acts chapter 2. And Peter starts talking to the people that are around there after the Holy Spirit came down. And he's like, yeah, these are the things that Joel promised, right? And remember, he talks about the, well, the, the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh and all of that. And then he says something about the sky being changed and the moon. All that. You're like, but that didn't happen. No, it's going to happen here. That's the end of the fulfillment here of what is going to occur. And so it is at this point that, I, that this is my thought, right? My thought is that at this moment what you are seeing in this cataclysmic thing that is happening is you are seeing what is known as the day of the Lord is arrived. And it is not, I don't think it's a 24-hour period. It is a time frame that is the day of the Lord, a time of God's judgment. When you go to the Old Testament prophets, I don't have time for that. My time is up already. When you go to the Old Testament prophets, what you find is you find these people or these prophecies that point to this kind of stuff. They point to these types of things. And so what we have here is that it seems that even the greatest judgments and the signs don't change the hardened hearts. It's terrible. Rather than run and hide from, or run to God, they hide from him and even blame him. And so church, what do we have to do? We need to seek to be like the ones who are under the altar. We have to seek to be like the ones who don't compromise God's word. We have to seek to be the ones who are a light in the midst of a dark world. I have a third point here. Say this with me. God's retribution does not nullify his redemption. God's retribution does not nullify his redemption. I will not read this whole thing here, but we read chapter 7. As we walk through chapter 7, I love this because it brings us back to this picture in heaven. And, and, and I'm not going to read all the names and everything, but it says, After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed, listen to that, the servants of our God on their foreheads. And then he says that he heard the number was 144,000. What we have here is we have the seals that we talked about, and then we have the sealed. The ones who are, the, the, the ones whom God has sovereignly chosen, and he makes it clear who they are. I want you to understand this. Again, I'm not going to read the whole list, but it is clearly 144,000 Jewish people. How is God going to do that? I have no idea. I have no clue. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think right now they have like the 12 tribes of Israel over there in Israel. I don't think that that's like that. <laughs> Maybe they're going to go through Ancestry.com. I'm just joking. <laughs> we need to find the bloodlines and we're going to bring this all back. Bottom line is God knows who those 144,000 are. He knows where they are and he is going to seal them Wow, they're going to be on this earth during this time of great tribulation. Now, the encouragement for us is that everyone who God seals, God protects. 
Now, that doesn't mean that there may not be death. That, does, that doesn't mean that death, may, that, that, that doesn't mean that is that God has you. And if you are chosen to die for his glory, then amen, praise the Lord. But the thing is, that's a bad interpretation, though, to say, oh, the 144,000 is symbolic of everyone who's been sealed throughout history. That's not true. It can't be true because he describes who it is. I think the things in Revelation that are clear, we need to say amen to those. I think we need to say, hey, that's what it says there. It should encourage us because there's not just them, but then there is this other group. And I just want to read this, and I will wrap up, but we have to look at this. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. What I want you to see is look at what the elder says here in verse 13. And then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And it's, a, it's, it's like a funny question. Like, hey, man, who, who are these people? <laughs> like, I'm the one who's been here for a while and I'm asking you who's just here for a vision. Who are they? I don't think that the question is posed like that. But anyway, yeah. He's asking them who they are. Sir, you know. And so he said to me, these are the ones who do what? Come out of the great tribulation. I think right there is the words for the rapture. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. When that sixth seal is released and the day of the Lord begins... Those who have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, those who are God's chosen, those who are God's elect, those followers of Jesus are going to be taken out of the great tribulation and they're going to be brought before God from every nation, from every tongue, from every place on the earth. We are going to be before his throne. See, now it's not depressing, hallelujah. Now we are encouraged because even though there will be hardship, there will be trial, there will be fire, there will be all kind of stuff that is happening in this earth, there is a moment that we know that that trumpet will sound and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. You see, and so while all of this is happening, we need to pay attention because Jesus told his disciples, pay attention. These are the signs of the end. These are the signs of the time that you are living in church. We need to be awake. What does he go on to tell us? I love this. And he said, therefore, they are before the throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger. Listen to those words. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. That is our encouragement. 
that there is coming a day. Listen, in this earth, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. No matter how much men submit to God, there will always be suffering in this world. No matter how much we cry out to God, there will always be hardship in this world. No matter how much we pray and how faithful we are, death is going to be a reality. Tears are going to be reality. Sickness is going to be something that happens. Now, that does not mean that we should not believe God for his kingdom and his power for him to move in this earth because he wants to do it. However, if he wipes all of our tears here, what do we have to look forward to? And you wonder, well, why are they going to, why, why would God leave his, his kids here? Church, we have to be purified. Jesus said something that's really clear. He gave a parable. He said, after men sowed good seed, while men slept, the enemy came in and sowed tares. And you know what happens with tares and wheat? When they come up, they look alike. It is not until they're fully grown that you know, oh, that's wheat, this is a tear. The end of the age, you know what that is? It's a time of purification. It's a time where God separates the wheat from the tares. It's not because he doesn't love us, and we may suffer, but again, our reward is great in heaven. And so we look forward to that. So here's my closing question for you. Do you trust the one on the throne and have you surrendered to him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him with all of your life, with all of your soul, with everything that is within you? Do you trust him and have you surrendered to him? Hallelujah. We're going to worship the Lord for a moment. And as we, as we close our time, I want you to just humble your heart before the Lord, if you would. Just take this time to really ask yourself this question, man, am I trusting Am I trusting him? Listen, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, right now is a moment for you to put your faith in him. All of the things that we see here, these judgments that are coming are against sin, but there is one thing that is sure, is not only is God going to judge sin, but here's the beauty of it, is that God offers righteousness and salvation. He offers that to everyone who will bow their hearts to him. And so as you bow your head right where you are, know this, that Jesus died for your sin. Know this, that Jesus rose again so you could have hope and you could have sure hope and sure faith. And if you need prayer at any point and you want to come forward, we can pray for you. If you, if you need um, someone to pray for you, if you don't know the Lord, we can pray for you for that. If you need prayer to encourage your faith, pray for you in that area too. But if you're in this place, I want to pray for us really quickly. Father, look at our hearts. Holy Spirit, look at our hearts. Show us what needs to be changed. Show us what needs to be transformed. Show us. Show us, God we're not trusting you, if we haven't surrendered to you. Lord, let this moment that we have now to worship and lift up your name, Lord God, let it be a moment of surrender. Let it be a moment of submission. Let it be a moment of yielding unto you. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Would you stand and worship with us?